0: Hi listeners and welcome to the latest footnote episode of the Fantasy Animation Podcast. I'm still Alex Sargent. And I'm about to be a very plasmatic Chris Holliday. Uh, you've shot your gun already, uh, Chris. Yes, today we're doing plasmaticness. This is a term that has come up on the podcast a few times. A few, it comes up all the time. You <laughs> love it. I do. So I do. That, means you've, that means you've got to have no problems telling me what it is yeah. in approximately 10 minutes. Yeah, sure, sure. So why don't we start with where does it come from? Tell me about plasmaticness.
1: So plasmaticness probably stands, and this is the way I always communicate this to my to my students, as one of the first. Sort of formal appreciations of the animated medium. It's crucially a term that is not industry sanctioned. I, it's a term that exists in criticism. The industry term would loosely be rubber hosing, uh, and we're talking about a style of animation. So, rubber hosing as a style of animation, um, the first dominant style of North American animation um, in terms of character. When we talk of rubber hosing, we mean characters with arms and legs and appendages that act as if they were rubber hoses. So, the industry calls it rubber hosing the audience, and Mm. specifically Eisenstein, so Sergei Eisenstein, Russian filmmaker, formalist, Mm -hmm. um, making films in the 20s, 30s and 40s. Very poignantly
0: known for directing Battleship Potemkin and that famous Odessa Steps sequence. Yes, Um, yes, yes, that has been
1: homaged in many films, from The Untouchables to Ghostbusters, I think. So
0: Soviet, experimental, always comes up on silent film and history of film courses, montage editing, uh, all that kind of
1: stuff. Which makes actually the montage, his use... Eisenstein's use of montage, um, the famous sequence in *Potemkin* of the kind of stirring lions, is you could argue an example of animation. So it kind of makes perfect sense that Eisenstein would be interested in, in specifically Disney animation. So Disney um, animation of the 30s and 40s, as they've moved from um, a series of shorts, the Silly Symphony shorts, to to feature length production, you have Eisenstein who, who as a formalist, I guess as I said, it makes perfect sense that he would. Um, eulogize over a particular kind of quality to animated cartoons and specifically disney animated cartoons that he would call plasmaticness so we've got rubber hosing is the industry term for this and plasmaticness is a term that sort of happens in reception
0: so, so let's just make sure everything is clear as crystal uh we're talking about those cartoons that are around in the sort of twenties and thirties, Mickey Mouse cartoons, yes. uh, Steamboat Willie, uh, those kind of things, yep. the Silly Symphonies. They're now yep. called, so, or yeah. were called at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're talking about bits in those cartoons where, like, characters will, um, you know, inflate another character to the size of a balloon by sticking a gas canister in there. Uh, mouths, J- or cut off their arm and they'll grow it back and turn it into a bow. They have a kind of elastic yes. looseness to their physical form that was quite typical of cartoons during this period. Yeah,
1: one of the um, interesting things about Eisenstein's writing is that, well, first of all, it was unpublished at the time. so, yeah, so
0: that's the other thing I just to clarify. So he's writing about these cartoons.
1: Yeah, he's writing in the 1940s, um, and he's writing in uh, note form, often in abridged form. These notes are incomplete, um, and he's writing, as you say, about the silly symphony. So a series of seventy-five cartoons made by Disney um, between nineteen twenty-nine and nineteen thirty-nine. Disney made a lot of sh- series of shorts: um, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, um, the Alice comedies, and the City Symphony is probably the most famous. That were essentially testing grounds for a synchrony between sound um, and image. Uh, and and the, the City Symphony is also played with Technicolor and, and um, um, yeah. But but Eisenstein's work is sort of important because it it's sort of sits at it, it's, it's, one of the things I like about plasmaticness is that it's kind of fourfold, it's a technological category it's a historical category, it's a political category and it's a, um aesthetic category so it has these four components really so the aesthetic category is that uh, eisenstein is eulogizing over this sort of um the irresistible changeability of disney's animated characters the way that they can suddenly reform um it's that sort of incredulity of fantasy to some extent so the ways in which um he, and he says what's strange is not that it exists what's strange is that it attracts so ink, paint and paper have their own kind of vitality and impermanence and so he's really interested at an aesthetic level of the sort of change of the mutability and the transformative potential of, of animated bodies so it's a historical or it's a formal category describing um, a certain kind of aesthetic that was dominant across Disney's animated cartoons um, that would ultimately give way to a more hyper-realist way of seeing seeing the world so therefore it's also historical category because it tells us about the difference between disney animation of the 20s and 30s and early 40s and later feature-length films the sort of shedding of a plasmatic sensibility at the expense of a more dominant hyperrealism. Uh, okay, so we're talking like, you know, before we get like Snow
0: White and Bambi. Bambi, Eisenstein and- was not a fan of
1: Bambi, he right. said it was too realistic.
0: Right, okay, so yep. before we get those movies that yep. now we go, oh, aren't they cool, aren't they realistic? We have yep. these movies yep. that are, you know, as you say, characters kind of with rubber bodies, rubber yep. hose bodies, yep. that Eisenstein calls plasmatic. Yep. It's a historical category now because those films are, are of a period. Yes, yes. But it's also a theoretical category. No, no,
1: so it's an it, aesthetic category because it tells us about um, a certain kind of metaphysical immobility. Right. And, and so what does it tell us about that? So so we have, on the one hand, it's an aesthetic category. It's a, it's a historical category. The political category is key. So one of the things that entrances um, Eisenstein about plasmaticness is this idea of it's sort of it's a rejection. It's a it's a a rejection, he says, against the metaphysical immobility of the once and forever given. That's kind of like the famous sure. the famous quote. And, so and
0: just to play devil's advocate, what does that mean?
1: Um okay. <laughs> so um I suppose the best way of of of, of describing it is he's interested in exhilarating animated worlds that mark a break from the mechanised, standardised existence of a world of the 1930s uh, a modern world of the 1930s that he says was graphed by the cent and the dollar so we have um, that kind of of conveyable assembly line of production we have um, a certain kind of uh, modernist, mechanised ritualistic way of seeing and living in the world that he argues plasmaticness sort of challenges or goes against or unlocks it takes us back to a sort of pre-conscious um, mode of existence where everything is unfixed and um, doesn't yet have a state and it's in that sort of um, I guess it's in that m- mocking of, of, of the body and biology he talks about plasmatic bodies mocking zoology you can tell This thing to be this thing and it'll just transform and so yes it's an aesthetic category because it's about excessive curvature of certain characters it's historical because it tells us that disney moved away from that kind of excessive curvature it is political because there's a political sort of mode of resistance plasmaticness relates to a sort of an ability to change shape at will um and that's where the plasmatic body has that basic visual curiosity
0: so so make sure i've got this straight yeah Sergio Eisenstein, committed communist, Marxist filmmaker making propaganda movies for the Russian-Soviet yep. regime, yep. believes that watching Mickey Mouse cartoons yep. will allow you to break free of the capitalist worldview and way of of seeing the world
1: yes Uh, and he's not alone so uh, Walter Benjamin um, was also fascinated by Mickey Mouse and in the 30s well he used Mickey Mouse as a reflection of the Hollywood culture industry Um, and I think the value of Eisenstein's work is not necessarily in its primacy or its its it's sort of playfulness in the way that it is it was published in the 80s you know he, he, Eisenstein um, dies we find all these notes it comes together in a book edited by Jay Leder called Eisenstein on Disney um, one of the pleasures of Eisenstein's work or I think the pleasure is this is considering the formal issues of Disney at a time when that wasn't really the case um so 70 years ago uh so it's it's yes he is interested in the power and potency of disney's animated images um the 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 form in which the ecstasy of transformation is kind of reflected or reflects man's own primitivism and oh. he says you tell an octopus the famous quote you tell an octopus to be an elephant and the octopus becomes an elephant
0: okay so you don't have much time to answer this question. For, oh, I've got the fourth category. The fourth oh, category is,
1: the fourth dimension is that it's also a technological category because with every um, encroaching technological development, Disney moved moved away from that plasmatic sensibility towards hyperrealism. So we have the multiplane camera, but you also have the advent of color and sound and all of these things Disney used to to move away from that plasmatic impetus. So we can also argue that plasmaticness is is a technological category because it was it was dispensed with as a result of technological programs progress
0: in 30 seconds oh lord what could you do why why is this category interesting to think about now in the world of uh 2022
1: i think there's a certain um the, the the language of plasmaticness has re-emerged i think with um in a period that the michelle pearson of, of, of special effects history would call the 1D years between 1989 and 1995 so a lot of early visual effects discourse a lot of early visual effects images digital visual effects um are about metamorphosis and transformation so um vivian Sobchak writing around metamorphosis uses a language a language very similar when she talks about we know that these things aren't aren't real and and are, and are happening before our eyes as a result of magic and yet we believe and we buy into this transformative metamorphic potential so there's there's a sense in which we are now living in a kind of digital plasmatic age where the digital has sort of assaulted the primacy of of representation and allows for these changeable kind of liquid metal states
0: where could people go if they wanted to read more about plasmaticness?
1: They well, they could go to Jay Leder's the collection of of books. Go to Saucer Eisenstein on Disney. It's, mm. I I got it for a couple of couple of pounds online, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's this really intriguing collection of of scraps and bits of paper that have been collated together as yeah. this really it's important. Like a book of poetry, isn't it? It's yeah, really it is. It yeah. is. Um, a bri- as I said, abridged and incomplete, but really useful. Um. Uh, there's also um, a writing by Patrick Power that talks about anthropomorphism in relation to um, plasmaticness and the kind of bodies that are in flux. Uh, and I would probably say, yeah, Vivian Sobshack's writing. So she's edited a book called um, Metamorphing, um, which is geared towards science fiction. But science fiction is also a genre in which in which that kind of digital plasmaticness has, has reemerged.
0: OK, you're a little over time, but I'll let you off because, hey, this is a plasmatic version of the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. And time is flexible. And time is flexible. Sure. But we'll, we'll call that plasmatic for now. Um, If you have an idea for a future Footnote episode, email us at fananimresearch, F-A-N-A-N-I-M, research -research, at gmail.com. And we'd love to take your suggestions. Otherwise, we'll see you next time.
1: Bye.